0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is another episode of Science But Simple. For those who are just joining us, a Science But Simple is basically a mini series that myself and my mate Josh do. Um, Josh has a degree in marine biology, so he knows about all that sort of stuff, and I don't, <laughs> quite frankly. The first Science But Simple was the sixth episode of Genuine Chit Chat. It was how light bulbs work and a general understanding of energy. And the second episode of Science But Simple was actually the 12th episode of Genuine Chit Chat, and it was about tides, gravity, and the moon, and how that all sort of works. Um, this, these, this mini-series is just about learning science that we kind of have in our everyday lives, really, that we notice or that we interact with, that sort of thing, and just explaining it in an easy-to-digest manner. And if you're into this episode, um, last week I spoke with another friend of mine who's got a degree um, called Wayne. And he's actually got a degree in paleontology, which is basically life on Earth since the dawn of time up till essentially history. Uh, We talk about fossils, dinosaurs, mass extinction events, giant insects, all kinds of crazy stuff. So that's definitely one to check out as well. And in this episode of Science But Simple, we're talking about misconceptions, and uh, Josh is debunking a couple of these. Um, There are only three in this episode, and we speak about potentially doing uh, more episodes in the future about misconceptions, and some of them can be small, some of them can be big. Um, If anyone has any ones that they'd like us to shout about, then, uh, you know... Contact us on, at Genuine Chit Chat on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook. You can email us. Uh, all the details are in the links uh, in the podcast description or if you're listening on YouTube, in the YouTube description so this week we speak about gmos which is genetically modified organisms you know when people talk about gmo food basically uh, we explain what that actually is and why it's nothing to be worried about Um, we talk about sort of uh, big pharma and the pharmaceutical companies and how sort of drugs get put through or medicine gets put through and sold to the general public and we talk about it in britain and which is obviously where we're from and also a bit in america um so we talk about that and we also talk about cancer and um sort of radiotherapy chemotherapy and how cancer sort of works and why there's not like one big miracle cure for all cancer and things like that Um, so obviously we do talk about cancer Um, I speak about it a little bit um, with Josh about my dad because my dad passed away from cancer um, uh, quite a few years ago now Uh, I think it's about five years ago Um, but we don't get into like really deep it's not about this isn't about that you know it's just about the scientific side of things but if if speaking about cancer does make you feel uncomfortable or anything like that, then just to warn you, we start talking about cancer at the, quite near the start. I think we, we talk about a few other things for the first five, ten minutes of the episode, and then we kind of get into the uh, misconceptions. So, just a pre-warning, if um if that's a sensitive subject for you, you know, uh, well, either skip it or don't listen to it. It's not a problem at all. Anyway, guys, thanks as always for listening. Um, I'll be back at the end for the usual ways of, you know, getting a hold of us, what's coming up, and that sort of jazz. Um. Yeah, but I guess I'll get the show started. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton.
1: <laughs> it's like, with the last one, it was like, this time it's just me. <laughs> that's it, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Anyway. <laughs>
0: Hello guys. I start recording before Josh is ready. Uh, ha ha, got you there again. You're Just so funny. I'm so hilarious all the time. That's the problem. The podcast doesn't encapsulate how funny I am all the time. Um hello guys. I'm here once again with Josh. I think now you're officially the person who's been the podcast the most cuz I think Tom No, Tom was on two of them, so you already beat him when you're on the uh, third one, but obviously we've got mini series together, so it's going to
1: this is my podcast now. Just totally <laughs> take it
0: over. Just come up and just take over it. Everyone just starts like as I get more and more people subscribing and more people getting into the podcast, more people are like, I actually really like Josh a lot more than I like Mike. Like <laughs> can we have Josh just doing his science but simple but without Mike and just have Josh interviewing and talking to everyone Mike talks to instead? To be honest, um, if
1: if I could be bothered and had the drive for it i could probably you could probably make an entire podcast about these this like this series in particular oh yeah it w- it, it
0: wouldn't be difficult to do at all no. maybe maybe if my podcast gets enough traction and stuff i'll start up a podcast network and then you can be on it And then the science but simple will be its own thing, you know? I think you underestimate how much work being a teacher is going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, like, it wouldn't be... um, It could just be, like, a not... It would be, like, a series-based thing. Because, like, there's a lot Mm. of podcasts where, actually, they do series. So, like, the Say Why to Drugs uh, is one, which is um, Dr. Susie Gage. And she does, like five or ten episodes at a time. And then she says, okay, these next ten weeks, we're one a week. And then a few months down the line, we'll release some more, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, guys, there's another Science for Simple, as I've said. Um, should, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, it should be fairly obvious what these are. It's just, we like to talk about things um, to do with science, because Josh has a degree in marine biology and knows about science and stuff. And I'm a moron, so it's quite good for him to try and explain things to me. And then if I understand them, chances are other people will too. Um... The last ones we did uh, was was were, and um, we did gravity, the moon, how tides work, and light and heat from the sun. And the first one we did was about energy from
1: generation to
0: yeah how light light bulbs
1: work generally
0: yeah Yeah. so they're the two episodes we've done so far in the future we're thinking about doing metabolism eating uh human biology potentially gadgets uh there's an episode of the podcast which will be out by now uh, with my friend wayne and he's a paleontologist uh, and we spoke about paleontology and dinosaurs and prehistoric things um and we're gonna have him on the podcast at some point with josh and we'll do like a talking about our favorite creatures and crazy creatures that sort of thing and that'll be under the science but simple banner probably i haven't figured that out yet but in this episode get down to it it's going to be about misconceptions um because this is one actually josh uh, wanted to do um i really didn't i hate josh and i didn't really want to do this at all but he made such a fuss about it that i'm joking josh is giving me such an <laughs> unimpressed look but um yeah a uh, misconception i think is a is a few misconceptions uh, specifically that josh has got uh to mind that he wants to talk about so if you want to follow yeah
1: the the big thing about this is a lot of the time you see it, especially on social media people kind of like making comments about that. you you can have an opinion that's fine but don't start spouting off exposition and facts like you know what you're talking about I don't entirely know these subjects, but I know enough to say that when I see certain things, to call bullshit on it, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just, people spreading exposition and not necessarily false information, but information without evidence, it triggered me a little bit.
0: Well,. <laughs> cool you're so, um, an intelligent
1: guy and
0: spreading of misinformation is a is a trigger i mean it happens with me in, in a lot of ways uh for things as well i don't have it in the exact same way you do but i just find like as i got gotten older I, f- I find it so hard not to correct people certain things and there's small things of grammar when people say bought instead of brought and vice versa and i just don't say that anymore because there's just no point but when it's like mm-hmm. someone says something that's clearly wrong it's just like you got to, it's like sometimes you've got to let it go but other times it's
1: just like no, actually, you are. You got make the judgment call of when you like actually personally say stuff like that to people because there's some people that say, "Oh, yeah, right," and they'll go back and say, "Yeah, correct that, yeah, redo." And some people are like, "How dare you question me?" Like, take it as a personal offense. Or it's like, no, because like you've said to you, I'd be appreciative if I said something wrong hmm. and someone corrected me. I've improved as a person to know that thing exactly, and exactly. like other people take offense to me saying, "Well, I mean." correcting your uh, false piece of information or a false use of something and then it's that is Im- improving for you so like... well,
0: that, that's it it's one of those things where basically when you have a discussion with someone if you say something that isn't an opinion that is uh, should be a fact one of two things is going to happen either it's correct Mm-hmm. and that's fine or you're wrong and if you're wrong someone will tell you that you're wrong and then you're right anyway mm-hmm. so it's 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 almost like a win-win it's just like people shouldn't take to heart being critiqued to like yeah stop there's, there's
1: criticism for criticism's sake hmm. and then there's con- what i guess what we'd call constructive criticism which yeah. is saying this isn't quite right that's how i'd make it right there you go we all move up from here
0: yeah, and that's exactly what this podcast is yeah. going to be themed around. Is if anyone had these misconceptions, I'm probably I've probably got them all. Uh, to be honest with you, um, but it's not an attack on anyone's intelligence. We don't want anyone here. Science for simple is meant to be just anyone is interested in science. Just get into it. It doesn't matter what you thought you knew or anything like that. Just come along for the ride. If you have learned some new stuff, that's cool. You know, also feel free to research it. I mean, if anyone looks up anything and they think that anything isn't quite aligned, you can uh, contact us, you know, uh, contact us on, you know, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or email at uh, com, and that will be in links in the description and stuff. But let's fire away. So what's the uh, what's the first sort of misconception you wanted to bring up? So
1: the first thing I would like to discuss is something that I think you had to a higher degree than I do have personal experience with right and that would be cancer something that more or less everybody is going to come across in yeah. some point in their life
0: well statistically I-, I was listening to um what's the name of the person who's uh who studies cancer endocologist or something like that
1: uh i was going to talk about that later but um oncologist oncologist that's oncology the word. is the study of cancer
0: there you go um because there's a podcast i listened to with uh the neuroscientist sam harris and he had an oncologist on and he was talking about like statistically speaking i think it's one in uh, two males in the western world are likely to get cancer and one in three females are likely to get cancer um and in the previous podcast i've lightly touched about the subject um is that my dad died of cancer when i was 19 uh, i'm 24 now oh christ i'm 24 and i was my yes, birthday last week um,
1: long that's a long yeah, time ago it's yeah five five cereal. years ago
0: um he passed away he was uh, ill with it for about a year and a half uh well, he got diagnosed about a year and a half He passed away uh, one I, I talk about it like in podcasts when people bring it up I, i'm not closed off to the idea but at some point in the future I'm thinking with um, one of my brothers I'm going to do like a full podcast just talking about it and I think it might be able to help quite a few people who have been sort of had similar experiences but we won't delve into that sort of horrendously uh, yeah, this, deep stuff this isn't going to be about that this
1: is more that. about objective yeah, by the, title, it's the objective side of it rather than the emotional and support yeah. side of it although you know, we're all people I'm that's important but, yeah, yeah precisely
0: it's... but I'm not, I, I, I'll clarify to yourself and to everyone else that I'm not one as obviously you know, because you know me for many years, I, I'm open about this sort of thing. I, I'm happy to talk about any of it. Mm. It doesn't. It's not. Some people will get triggered in the, in the way that they will get upset by it. So yeah. obviously, that is a mild warning. If you're gonna, if you don't like hearing about cancer or anything, this may upset you a little bit. But we're just talking about objectively. We're not going into the horrendously deep mm. details. So with cancer, then, what um, misconceptions are there? So
1: it's. I'd probably like to just go through this step by step. Yep. And first off, I just ask what do you understand currently or think you understand about the way that cancer works or what it actually is um i think it's from what i recall it's basically like um
0: cells that either can't stop splitting and min- uh, multiplying essentially uh, mm-hmm. and then they they kind of they can't ever stop and then it becomes like a tumor essentially or and or it's also when your body's got like that No, the cells have got this thing in it where it's kind of like a kill switch where they're meant to kill themselves, essentially. And that can kind of spread to the wrong cells, kind of. That's my vague
1: idea of it. The first one would be correct. The second one you're describing is something called cell apoptosis. Right. Which is basically organized and programmed cell suicide. Yeah. Generally, if something severe goes wrong in a cell, Mm. it's like, "Uh, this isn't right. Mm. And it commands itself to basically self-destruct. What? yeah as like a defense mechanism mm-hmm. The issue with cancer is that it is a tumor is to simply put it, an uncontrolled growth of cells mm-hmm. by the you know they, they reproduce, they divide and they split and multiply. Um, you then get a, I'm sure most people understand that a benign tumor is one that grows until a certain point and then stops a malignant one will continue to grow and multiply. It can break off and spread to different parts of the body.
0: They're the most dangerous ones yes. often. You know, some people can have cancers that, um, or a tumour rather, which um, when it's sort of benign, it's uh, you get it, it can be bad, but they sometimes don't even have to remove it. They can just be like, this yeah, is so it's, it's fine.
1: It's more, there's more risk of doing something if we go in and get it out than it is if we just leave it as it is, because it's not great. Keep an eye on it, but it's not growing, it's not posing any more risk. Just mm. leave it be yeah okay. um, but to go all the way back to this cancer, the idea of cancer re- revolves around the what's called the cell cycle, mm-hmm. which is the process by which your cells duplicate their DNA, pull it to two sides, split down the middle, and form into two cells, which is you have the mother, the parent cell, and what's called two daughter cells. Mm-hmm. and it is to do it the things that control the cell division are genes, so. Much like you have, say, muscle cells and skin cells and nerve cells and bone cells, each of these cells is expressing different genes. So they're, they're, they're the hard thing, people would misconfuse it, oh, your genetics determine all sorts of things. Yes, they do. But for cell types, genes are not always active. They can be switched on and switched off. And right. that produces certain proteins or not, which control the way that cell develops. Okay. So, the genes that are switched on in your bone cells are significantly different from muscle cells, for example.
0: So, you're saying that they, so the DNA has got all the the sort of genetic code in it, in a sense. And there's certain on and off switches for certain things. And when certain things are on or off, it obviously makes something. Obviously, if every single thing was on, it would make some weird. Globby mess of everything, but you have yeah. to have you know, you have to have this thing to make the structure of this bone and then this thing to make the bone marrow, and then it, and it kind of like, yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah. like okay. so it, it's you like ingredients you, your almost. bone
1: marrow is different from the actual physical bone construct, yeah. so like it's almost like, like these yeah.
0: loads and loads of on and off switches for each of these cells make uh, it's almost like the ingredient to make a cell in a sense, yeah. okay. Yeah, so
1: the genes that are involved with the cell cycle are funny enough, as we just mentioned, oncogenes, okay. which will end up producing the proteins that make the cell cycle continue. Mm -hmm. So which make the cell reproduce or replicate is probably the better term. Uh, And then there are tumor suppressor genes, which halt the cycle. Mm -hmm. And with these, it controls the progress of the cycle, how fast it happens and all that sort of thing. Cancer is essentially a mutation caused by any number of things, including just random errors in cell replication, mm-hmm. um, that cause a damage or an error to happen in an oncogene or a tumor suppressor gene. Mm-hmm. And this is probably a very simplified version of the events, essentially. Oh, well, that's the thing. I mean, um, we're not
0: going into the, the yeah. deep, 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 all the different variations yeah. and everything. We're just grazing the surface sort of thing.
1: Uh, but, so, if an oncogene is damaged, mm-hmm. it might mean that it's always on, so the cell cycle never stops. If the tumor suppressor gene is ban- damaged, it may mean that the cell, the genes can never be turned on. Right. So then there's no tumor suppressor gene activating to halt the cell cycle. In both instances, it just means the cell cycle continues over and over and over and over again without the mechanism for it to stop Mm -hmm. being in place. I see. And that creates the uncontrolled growth of cells. Yeah, okay. So it's kind of like I'm trying to think of like a good
0: analogy would be just someone is just baking loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of food just constantly. And then at some point you go, okay, we've, we've ran out of space in here, hold up for a bit. We we'll let everyone eat this, or get rid of it, or sell it, or whatever. Then you can make some more when you're ready. And instead, it's like someone just constantly making, it. and then the house is getting filled up with all this food, and then it's like spilling out everywhere. And it's like there's no, there's no way to turn it off. There, there's no stop it, switch. So it's it can, like
1: if you're running a bath or something. Yeah. And you turn the thing on and then the thing of the tap comes off. Oh yeah, and then it's and just then it's always just on. overflowing, and you can't stop it. Like that, you yeah, like it just doesn't stop. You can't stop it because the handle's gone. Yeah, that's much better analogy. Yeah. yeah, good. Um. And this is where I feel the misconception is. There are mm-hmm. the ways that we treat cancer involve radiotherapy, which is bombarding that area with radiation to try and kill off those particular cells. But obviously, the side effect is it kills all cells. Yeah, which is why when radiography, ra- uh, radiotherapy, have radiography is something entirely different. Radio, radiotherapy is that they'll normally have you say on the operating table, not operating table, like like an X-ray table sort of thing. Yeah. And they'll have that source of radiation that they're bombarding with, but it will rotate mm. and go around you mm-hmm. so that the target area is receiving like the full dose of radiation. But everything around that is receiving a much reduced version because it's getting its small exposure and then it's moving away. Yeah, and obviously so when So they people... focus the treatment on that area and everywhere else does still get exposed, but much, to a much lesser extent Right, to minimise risk. And are you going to say about chemotherapy now? Chemotherapy is a chemical version of this, and it pretty much involves flooding the system with... Uh, drugs that are meant to kill the cancer cells off. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, well, if you think about the way that I've just described cancer is genetic mutations. Mm-hmm. Every single person is different in terms of their genetics. Mm-hmm. And hence, even even a the way the genes that control the cell cycle in an individual person, you might have one or two tiny bits of the code that are different Mm -hmm. and that doesn't produce any different effect normally but it means that if a mutation happens like that person's genetic code is different so some people react
0: differently to say radiotherapy
1: even though even if they don't seem like i wouldn't say go that far i I would more say that because of the nature of what cancer is it Mm. is your own body which is why your immune system doesn't pick it up it's not an infectious disease it's not caused by something invading your body yeah. it is your body going wrong
0: yeah it's not an enemy coming uh, in attacking you
1: it's the your actual insides yeah. going wrong yeah so in, in that essence because every cancer is that person's own cells every cancer is different mm-hmm. that can be different because of their genetics it could be different because the mutation's in a different place or in a different code. It's mutated in a different way. Mm-hmm. I would... Don't hold me to this, but I would go as far as to say that every single instance of cancer is unique to its own situation.
0: Yeah. However, obviously, it may be unique, but 99.9% of yeah. it is the same as the but other person. So that's the thing they, that's how they can treat. That it.
1: obviously becomes complicated in terms of trying to specify treatment. Mm-hmm. And we have good treatments for some cancers and pretty much no treatment for others because of the, the mechanisms that they work and the way we understand them
0: yeah i know that breast cancer for example is one of the ones which is very common it's very horrendous mm-hmm. when people get it but it's one of the most curable ones yeah. whereas the most uh, deadly ones are normally a lot of the, time, the ones of the internal organs
1: such mm-hmm. as like my dad had esophageal cancer or stomach cancer yeah, pancreatic cancer all that sort of yeah thing. i think I'm not sure of statistics or anything, but I believe um, in terms of lethality, things like bowel cancer and anything to do with the digestive system Mm. tend to be the worst offenders for death, for mortality rates.
0: It's also part of it is not to to delve into cancer once again, but it's like um, Mm. part of it is also, you know. Uh, symptomatic you, you can get stomach aches occasionally if you've got a stomach mm-hmm. like my dad had he was just occasionally got quite a bit of indigestion a few stomach aches here and there and it's just like went to the doctors and they thought oh he's just got a bit of an overactive digestive system or this or that and it's like when it's something like breast cancer they say check for the tumor or, or check for a bump and then it can be a tumor da da da
1: makes it extremely easier but the, 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 in essence what i want to say here is that because of the um uniqueness of each cancer finding effective drug treatments for things like that becomes incredibly difficult because each one could react differently mm. which is why radi- radiotherapy is um probably less effective than chemotherapy i believe yeah I, I but it's it. much less potentially damaging to the the patient
0: from my experience that is correct yes yeah? mm-hmm. chemotherapy i think you've described it before i
1: can't remember exactly how but it's almost like chemotherapy is like
0: of attaching, attacking all the system at
1: once. Chemotherapy and, is probably the best way of describing it. Simply, is the medical equivalent of a carpet bomb.
0: There you go. Yeah, that's what you've said to me in the past. Yeah, and it's just bombing everything and hoping the cancer more damage than the person. Yeah. And obviously, some people, unfortunately, they go through chemotherapy, and it's the chemotherapy is the thing that kills them, unfortunately, or mm-hmm. makes them so weak. But it's, it's that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Which is why, obviously, with cancer a lot of the time, people say things like, "Oh." You can. why can't people just cure cancer? It's like, because there's, there's literally, not only is it obviously, as you've mentioned, an individual level so different, but also what people don't get is breast cancer doesn't work necessarily in the same way that like uh, blood cancer does uh, or bone prostate cancer, cancer or prostate. Or, they, they all work they, all, different. they yeah. all work differently because there's different cells that make them up they're in different places there's all kinds of mm-hmm. different things that your way your body reacts to that cancer as
1: well yeah. and it's like and even within that type of cancer they might still have differences that mean that one treatment may not work for one person which yeah. is why they might go through cycles of different treatment to find one that's working for them exactly which is why not everyone can just have radiotherapy in which their is the reason why our current most effective way of treating things like cancer is that medical carpet bomb. Because it's like, okay, we can't, like, target this thing. Mm -hmm. So we just need to try and wipe it off, essentially. So, which the misconception, like, this is what I want to say, is that it links onto something else I want to talk about in terms of big pharma. It's like, oh, they have the cure for cancer. They just don't want to give it. And sell it because they're making too much money out of the other ways. And my point of view, it's very much, if they had a cure-all to cancer, we would know about it. Because it would be worth so much more money than the current treatments. Oh, yeah. That they would be selling it.
0: Well, you wouldn't get if if there was a cure for cancer, you'd never get rich and famous people dying of cancer like that. No. That you'd have these people who are like huge actors as people that obviously in the media that have died of cancer, unfortunately, in recent years and um, recent times, really in the last few weeks and whatnot. And it's like, well, it, if there was this big pharma thing, you'd have all these millionaires and stuff somehow miraculously getting out of cancer and stuff, and then they mm. wouldn't be able to keep that a big secret. And it's just like, you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of conspiracy around Big Pharma, which I agree with, with a lot of the way they push down, you know, legalisation of medical marijuana and all that sort of jazz. But it's not they have every single answer and they're all literally evil trying to kill people. Like, it's not that black and white.
1: So, yeah. And that's the other thing I wanted to say, is that anecdotal evidence that people have for, oh, this person had medical marijuana or... uh. Had the ca- canna- cannabinoid oil, like yeah, that sort um, of thing. CBD oil, yeah. that sort of thing. I'm, by the um, way, guys, I,
0: I'm Carla on episode, I think, four of the podcast. Carla and I talk about CBD oil a lot. She has Crohn's disease, so mm-hmm. if you're interested in
1: CBD and the way that works, and we talk about that quite a lot. So, yeah. Um, but the, the the whole thing with that is, yes, there are cases where people have taken these and have come out fine. The cancer has shrunk or whatever. That's one person. Hmm. Like that's there's the difference between anecdotal evidence of oh this worked for this one person, than an actual like large medical case study on using this to try and treat something and seeing okay so put this against a control, uh, double blind all that sort of thing. I think so double we know what's blind
0: placebo on. control studies are the yeah best all you that can do. sort of thing. Mm.
1: Yeah, so which is what I'm going to come on to later as well more mm. big pharma stuff, but. To put it simply, like cancer is an uncontrolled growth of cells. It is specific, from as far as I understand, to the individual and the type. Which is why it's so difficult to treat. Let alone the actual logistics of treating a cancer that's potentially spreading throughout somebody's entire body. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is why the most effective treatment we have for it is... A medical equivalent of a carpet bomb mm-hmm. to yeah. like put it in like one or two sentences.
0: Yeah, that's very it's easy. That's easy to understand. I think we've kind of uh, got round that quite easily. Yeah, yeah. good shout. So, um, do you want to move on to the next sort of
1: misconception then? So this I want to talk about. It's a bit of a more socio-political thing to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as I mentioned, the thing about big farmer air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do not doubt that there are people. That will be trying to make a lot of money out of selling drugs. Mm-hmm. There are people that have abused the system. There's something to do with... Um, uh, something called, I believe, Adi, if you've heard of that. Is that the AIDS... Uh, one? No, it, oh. it's um, basically uh, people trying to produce a female form of Viagra. Okay. And trials, done it, trials on it said that It doesn't have the efficacy that you'd want from a drug for that reason. It has inherent risks, a lot, especially in terms of if you're taking this, like you would say, because of the way that a a female's hormones work in terms of that nature compared to a males with viagra Mm -hmm. um you need you'd need to be on this sort of drug and hormone treatment because that's viagra is essentially in in a way it's like some form of hormone thing as Mm -hmm. well as other chemicals and stuff that produce the response yeah in in women you'd need to have a more prolonged low dosage over time that deal with that It, it was um what's it called um i've forgotten the word that is completely gone. Um, but um, that's it. Li- libido. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 yeah so nice. to change that, that's what this whole thing is about. is libido. Mm-hmm. Um, and the effects, the side effects, especially when ingested with alcohol, because you're taking this pill over a period of maybe like a few weeks to a month. Yeah. Horrendous side effects with severe consequences. Oh, okay. Um, And it's terrible people trying to force it through the drug development system because it's sexist if you don't. Yeah. At the expense of the risk of people's health. Mm-hmm. And I think that's disgusting. Uh and there's the case of I can't remember his not a name, but the guy that basically bought out the rights to the HIV drug that's what I and ramped of. up the price by like a thousand percent. And it's like and then he immediately got cut down for that. I think he later on got sued for something else entirely. Yeah, I think he's in a lot um, of trouble now. I don't know if he got prison yeah.
0: time or something like that. I can't
1: remember. But he got something to
0: do with the law, yeah. got to him, and then like, some other company managed to get a hold of what he was doing. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That behaviour is
1: disgusting. Oh, yeah. 100%. But to say that the majority of people are doing that for personal profit, I think is misleading and disingenuous. A lot of the people that are developing drugs, the people that are doing the work, are the ones that I think I can make a difference if I make this drug.
0: Yeah, most like almost every person who is trying to cure any strain uh, strain of cancer or anything like that isn't thinking I'm going to make loads of money or I'm going to become super famous and awesome. It's like no, that's not how it works. It's like you have to commit your entire life to trying to get this to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know how many people do we know who are scientists who actually have flat out cured something? You get like uh, the guy who developed. Um, Antibiotics or well, penicillin. He discovered penicillin essentially. Yeah. Um, which think that's Alexander Fleming. I was gonna say I think it's Fleming. I think it's Fleming. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's one. You know, years and years and years ago. How many do we know now? Like, I, I can't. I'm not a science expert, but I can't really name any.
1: I always find it amusing. Um, penicillin, um, the thing that creates it, because antibiotics are all biologically made, hmm. um, and it amuses me that the the fungus that produces penicillin it sounds like a Harry Potter smell. What is it? Penicillium notatum. Nice. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. It's like penic- penicillium notatum and your smallpox is gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's <was> brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the whole thing, like, yes, these people want to do well and do good with the things they're producing, but... They still need to live. They Mm. need to be paid. The things that cost the money, you do need to turn a profit when you're producing these things. Oh, yeah. Because you need to pay for the patents, mm -hmm. which are of a limited time, like 10 to 15 years normally. Yeah. You need to pay for the years of research going into it, the scientists that are doing that research, the production. There are so many costs that go into it, Mm. as well as the actual process for producing a drug involves production... Lab testing. Unfortunately, for medicine, testing on animals, mm. both uh, non-ape and ape types. Well, mice so you have to most ones, you you have to deal with either two types of. I think it's two uh, at least one rodent, mm-hmm. two types of non-rodent, and one ape. Okay. Right. Uh, uh something along those sort of lines i don't know the specifics of it exactly but yeah, you have to have some animal testing unfortunately i animal testing in the cosmetic industry is abhorrent mm-hmm. should not be necessary when we can have simply skin cultures oh yeah exactly. but testing drugs against an entire bi- biological system is an entirely different story mm-hmm. yes you have the issue of uh it's different biological systems and different animals will react differently. Mm-hmm. But we have some close anatomical equivalents. For example, pigs are somewhat similar. Yeah, I think they're one of the closest... to us. They're one of the closest... That which I'm is why apes is one of the key things about testing drugs on. Yeah. It then go it gets approved for stage one, stage two, stage three, or clinical trials. Yeah. Which involve saying to somebody, people, and get re- essentially recruiting people to say, oh, we're testing this drug. It's been tested on these animals and looks safe. Sign this waiver, and we can test it on you. And often for they have to human. pay them as well a lot of the time. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Uh,
1: and things at like the stage two or stage three, you end up with the double blind case study. So you have a control, which is the placebo, or well, you have you have a control which is no treatment. Mm-hmm. You have the placebo, which is. Treatment, but it's essentially a blank treatment. Yeah, so people just think uh, they get So treated. you have people that are not receiving anything, yep. people that are receiving a false treatment mm-hmm. but don't know it, Yep. and people that are receiving the actual treatment and don't know it. And this could be a mix of people that actually have the condition and don't to see the effects of it on people that don't for side effects and things.
0: Yeah, because that's one thing people don't think about is that, you know, when Mm -hmm. you have when you get medicine for something, if you take medicine when you don't have that thing, because you get some people hypochondriacs or potentially misdiagnosed, Mm -hmm. you have to be prepared to also think about, okay, if someone doesn't have, make it really simple, the common cold and they take some cold medicine. If that is really horrendous for your system, it's trying to attack mm-hmm. something that isn't there, that could be worse than the cure. So it has to be yeah. so many things
1: people don't really think about when it comes to medicine. And by double-blind, it means that all the people in the study do not know what they're receiving, apart from the people that are obviously not receiving the treatment. Yep. Uh, and the people that are administering the treatment also do not know what each person has been taking so there's no bias. until after the data has been collected
0: yeah so they basically they don't have it so that they say this is the drug effects or whatever it is they go this yeah. is drug a this is drug b this is drug c drug c for no one actually realizes the drug c is the placebo but it's like mm-hmm. it's so that there's no biases there's no one's yes. agendas there's no like that that eradicates the chance of someone you know this whole conspiracy thing about big pharma Someone can't be paid by Big Pharma if they're doing a double blind because they can't change the results because they don't know what any of the results are until right mm-hmm. at the very end. And by then,
1: you know, it's much And then it you can... have to release the journals and studies say, look, this drug functions. Yeah, exactly. And you have the data to provide it saying that okay, this was our control group, they had no no um, no treatment and this happened. Yeah. After the study, this control group that had the placebo, this happened. Yeah. And that may be an improvement from the other group. Yeah. What you're looking for is that the improvement from the control group of the actual drug is much greater than the one that had the placebo. Yeah, exactly. Because then you prove that that drug has efficacy more than the placebo does. Yeah, because what a lot of people don't actually realise is
0: obviously there's the term the placebo effect, and there's another term which is, I think it's called the nocebo effect, um, something similar to that, which I heard about in another I've podcast. not heard of that before. Um, it's, it's,
1: it's, it's, Maybe it's more of a colloquialism. Yeah, I don't think it's like, yeah.
0: it's not like a, a specific thing, but it's, it's like a general term, and it's like, if you give people a drug and tell them it's going to work, there's certain cases, there's times where it does actually work, like, actually cures mm-hmm. them essentially because they they think they're cure, being cured so their body essentially does that work but there's also one which is if you give people the right drug medicine and they think it's not going to work or they think it's not the right one there's been studies uh, that so actually the, show the opposite effect yeah. of the placebo. So, okay, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah so you give them the right drug that should cure it but because they think it's the wrong drug or they think it's not going to cure it they they then somehow their body almost rejects it or does this or does that that i don't know um, enough about it unfortunately but it basically means that it, un- it doesn't work so it's, that's why you have to do these double blind of not only the people taking the drugs but as well the people you know administering it for all these sorts of causations and a lot of people don't realize this when it comes to medicine and things which is what obviously why you want to bring up the misconception mm-hmm. of big pharma having every answer it's like we also are in the age of the internet and it's becoming harder and harder to hide things yeah you know and something as massive as the cancer. Like, how many people do we does anyone know that you could actually pay them enough money to tell them to not give cancer out to anyone they know who like everyone knows someone who's got cancer unfortunately whether yeah. it's your grandma whether it's your friends grandma it's it's everywhere unfortunately you, you'd only there's only a small handful of people, probably point oh oh one percent. They'd have to be complete psychopaths You to you'd actually have know. To
1: practically be inhuman to say no, I'm not going to give this effective treatment out to people yeah. that need it to survive. And also,
0: not even say anything like no whistleblowers. Yeah. Like apparently there's there's no whistle. Apparently there's this big like conspiracy about it, but there's not a single whistleblower about it. It's like there, mm. there would be one, you know what I mean? Like, so um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about uh, the pharma or the,
1: the medicine? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. It is different by country. Like I definitely believe it has more of an influence over in America. Yes. Where their medical system is insurance-based. It is, unfortunately, as far as I can tell, much more profit-driven. Yeah, they have a lot more Even branding. At, at the hospital level of, oh, well, here, you've taken treatment. Here's a bill. Yeah. Like, And people have, like... Opt out of treatment because they can't afford it, and I think that's abhorrent. I think that's
0: oh, yeah, the, the whole medical system in America yeah. is one
1: of the worst things on the whole planet. They've um, got some of the worst drug abuses
0: things over there because people get addicted to pain meds and they can't afford yeah. them, so then they buy like street heroin just to crave their when they go cold turkey off things. Like, well, there could be an entire podcast literally just talking about like healthcare systems. And it wouldn't stuff.
1: surprise me if uh, opioid painkillers are probably one of the biggest addiction levels in anywhere in America is
0: in fact in America now it's actually the number one cause of death is a drug overdose a lot of it that's depressing yeah a lot of it to do with um, pharmaceuticals because we'll see another part of it what people don't think about is in America there's adverts for antidepressants
1: out. That's... oh that sounds like a really good idea
0: and it's like you have these people like on TV who are like um, all sad and depressed like do you sometimes feel disassociated with people do you sometimes get angry at people that you and you can't figure out why do you go for weeks sometimes where you don't really laugh you may have depression talk that, to your doctor see, about blah, blah 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 today that's
1: why I, I, I it infuriates me so much that it is it's marketed and profiteered and mm. it is because in certain places it is fr- it is healthcare is run like a business oh yeah Same and business I business. compared to here with the NHS yes there are things that there are issues with the NHS don't get me wrong oh that. god yeah it's but, very flawed to uh, one thing that everyone could do to help is say instead of saying oh I feel a bit ill go to your GP and they prescribe you some painkillers go that cost the NHS to actually prescribe and do that like however much money just go to your corner shop and buy a pack of paracetamol or something of course if you're allergic to paracetamol say, don't do that yeah um, but go to a local corner shop. You can probably pick up a pack of paracetamol or decongestions or anything like that for under a pound. Oh, yeah. And that saves you money. It saves the system money and everyone's better off for it.
0: Yeah, and there's another
1: thing, obviously, with uh,
0: self-diagnoses as well, which is you can do a degree of it using certain things online, as long as you cross-reference
1: don't just look at one website oh, yeah. and take a cure. But there's loads of NHS stuff yeah, as well. Google any symptoms you have. Like, I'm, I, I'm healthy and normal, I'm not ill. I'm going to Google, like, oh, I have a sniffing nose. Death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's loads of a week to live. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, you, there's loads of resources you can use. So
0: take things with a pinch of salt, but also a lot of people don't realise this is a minor tangent, it's just... A lot of the time people feel ill, feel crap, feel this, feel that, whether it's mental illness or feeling depressed or physical um, conditions or anything like that. A lot of the time it's due to lifestyle. Like, if you're eating shit all the time, you're just eating junk food, you do no exercise whatsoever, you're drinking cans of Coca-Cola every day, you never drink any water and you don't eat fruit or veg, and you feel rubbish and you get stomach cramps or you can't sleep or you can't do this, you can't do that, it's like don't go to the doctor and get them to prescribe you pain meds or a sleeping meds or antidepressants first that shouldn't be the first port of call that should be you've tried changing your lifestyle you've tried yeah. looking up things online figuring out forums are a great thing the internet is an absolute blessing you know don't take everything you see on the internet as gospel but take things with a pinch of salt cross reference use the appropriate resources if you go on the NHS website it's 9 times out of 10 it's going to be completely fine you know but it's all about people taking care of themselves and not abusing the system
1: or like, um. Oh, I feel a bit flu Best pop off to A and E. just please don't. <laughs> no, you're gonna us all. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. um but well, yeah, that, that they just that whole big farm thing. It in different places, it is definitely more of a thing, a, yep. more of a significant player. But I don't feel that anyone in like actively participating in the profession, either as doctors or nurses or the people that are researching these drugs have ill intent towards profiteering. It is the sponsors and the funders that are the ones that are going to be profiteering off yeah, of it.
0: Yeah, well, the problem is also in America, for example, when you have the things where you have doctors and they get uh, taken out for dinner from the certain drug company and they go, you know, these antidepressants, if you give these antidepressants, they're a bit better. Like, a lot of the time, the doctor's... They don't have time to look, maybe look through all the research notes or everything like that, and it's just like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I have to give out a certain amount of antidepressants. On paper and study-wise, both of these look exactly the same, but this one, this person's paying me for, so I'm going to use that one. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's morally right, but they're not actually evil. But also you've got to think of, if doctors were getting paid more, they wouldn't have to take money under the table. All these sorts of... Everything is a much bigger issue than people like to think. People like to think, especially with a lot of conspiracy theories... Not necessarily bigger, but much more Complicated. Yeah, it's like there's not just... It's not black and white. Oh, big pharma have got cancer cured and they're drip feeding us it just to slowly kill the population and stuff. It's like, no, that's... that's a Disgustingly gross oversimplification of a subject which is so complicated. Even when you come down to, like, when I said about medicinal uh, marijuana in America and things like that, it's like... There have been Mm study. There have been things looking into showing that big pharma, in quotes, uh, have paid people and lobbyists to uh, try and quiet some of the studies that come out showing the benefits of medical marijuana Mm -hmm. due to them having interest in selling loads of these other drugs for joint pain and that sort of thing. However, that's a much bigger topic to discuss a completely another time. But even if those things are happening to a degree, they're not happening across the board everywhere in the world 100% big pharma have got a cure for cancer like it, it's a lot more complex than that sort of issue yeah um,
1: so to cut this one into a couple of sentences yes drugs are sold to make money but they need to because patents are expensive yep uh, you need to pay people for sometimes upwards of 10 years of development and research to actually produce the an drugs and specialists of degrees etc exactly. yeah these people are at minimum looking for probably at least £30,000 a year to mm. be able to, like, for this specialist level of yeah. doing stuff. Um, but you're looking at, like, biomedical, biochemists, all that sort of thing, and like, high-level specialist people. With all the equipment, etc, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, the running costs, everything. It's it, it. Drug development is, by its nature, expensive. Mm. And they need to get the money back to pay that off from somewhere. Mm. So, yes... Even in our case, for the NHS, like the NHS will buy medicines off somewhere, but they do that at like you know the reasonable prices that they can find that people are selling to at fair prices. It's regulated, all that sort of thing. Over here, yes, regulation. Over in America, probably not so much.
0: Yep. Yeah. And one last tiny thing I'll add when it comes to just generally companies making money. Obviously, there's a lot of companies in the world that make way too much money and don't give enough back to the communities and the country and tax evasion, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. But one thing people don't realize when people get angry about certain companies making profit is one thing i learned where i worked in a small business for uh, quite a while was that a lot of the time the profit that pe- the companies made you think oh the profit is going into the debt pocket nine times out of ten the profit is going into either expanding the business or putting a pool of money in because then if something really bad goes wrong like for example drug testing if you test a drug for 10 years and you think it's going to go places then at the last hurdle you realize oh crap it's actually not good at all it's horrendous you then spend all this money to get somewhere which isn't going to go anywhere, and you have to start again, or there can be other issues with it, such um, as lawsuits. That, that
1: is, is that, exactly the case. Yeah. Like you can go from all the previous development stages, get to double blind stage 2 trial, and no efficacy. It's basically the same as the control. It's exactly. Like, well, and so, we've got about go back to the drawing board. Yeah, like, and that could take They have the evidence years. to say that they can produce something that works, but it hasn't worked this time. Go back, find a new iteration. Hmm. Like it could be as simple as changing the orientation of something around a benzene ring, which that is a whole nother kettle of chemistry fish. Yeah, I don't even understand that. Um, so. But yeah. it like a molecule is structured in a certain way. Yeah. If, for example, a benzene ring is a ring of six carbons linked up together. Yep. And think can like be off of those positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so if something is put in one position, and then you say, okay, it's not working there, so let's put it on this position, that could have an entirely different effect. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's also so reshuffling it. Reshuffling the structure of the molecule of the compound or drug or whatever yep. could be the solution. Yep. And you have to go back to the drawing board Start to kind synthesise that and all that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: Yep. Okay, cool. So um, is there... I think there was at least one other thing I know that you wanted to discuss. Uh, do we have time for it? Yes, we do. Um, Yeah, we're at about the 40-minute mark, so we're doing quite well, about 20-ish okay. minutes per segment. So I think the last one was GMO, wasn't it?
1: Uh, I want to talk a bit about the ge- genetic modification, and both in ways that we use it more medically, as well as in food and everything like that. Because mm-hmm, okay. that is a controversial topic, and there is no... I'll say in advance there is no like right answer. It more or less as far as I'm aware still comes down to personal choice sort of thing. Everything mm-hmm. if if the food is GMO, I think it is like by law labelled as such on the packaging.
0: And that's genetically modified.
1: GMO is genetically modified organism. Organism, okay. Yeah, yeah cool. Um and essentially the people have like, oh it's GMO. It's done in a lab, it's bad. It's like got a mutated tomato with like legs and shit. Oh, it's like, oh, so... like square tomatoes or something. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome. I'd love to do Which is like it. it's like, oh yeah, we let's GMO make create GMO tomatoes that are square so we can slice them and fit them nice and neatly in our sandwiches. Oh that'd be awesome. And it's i like, down for that. Okay. One is that even possible to do with the genetics. We need to do it, Josh. Two, we need to fund it. Is that a worthwhile use of <laughs> <Yes>. our time?
0: <laughs> yes, it is. Triangle tomatoes, mate. Then you can have sandwiches, <laughs> you can have square tomatoes, you can have triangle ones. Cut out the business, bro. You can do it. Octagonal oh, tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, no. Uh, bas-
1: basically, um, as humans, through agriculture and crops and livestock, we have been artificially manipulating genes Selective since reading. domestication happened. Right. Selective breeding, what you just said, is exactly that. You're saying this thing has these traits that I like mm-hmm. and this thing also has these traits that I like. So I'm going to breed them together so that the offspring has these traits.
0: So the most common fit thing for that is obviously dogs. That's probably the easiest way for people to understand yeah. when it comes to animals and stuff. You know, for example, a lot of people don't realise this thing I mentioned in the podcast before. Um, dogs, every species of dog comes from wolves. Like, do- wolves, dogs, and coyotes all come from the same pot. They're basically the same animal. They can all mate together. Mm-hmm. So a chihuahua came from a wolf, but from selective breeding. Right, a-, a chihuahua can mate with a uh, and
1: Bernard. Yeah, exactly, right. and it's the like because, two complete polar opposites of dogs. Yeah, because
0: a chihuahua is basically almost like you breed because yeah. obviously you can think of like a good dog that's like a wolf is like a husky. Okay, so you can almost think of it as a husky is the closest thing to a do- to a wolf. And it's like well, the runt of the litter of the husky with um, like a beigeish fur or whatever. You then get the runt of the litter to mate with another runt of the litter, and then you get a slightly smaller husky, um, and then you keep doing that over years and years and years. I mean, you got
1: generations and generations, well, had... and you end up improving on. It's essentially it's called. Uh, it's selective breeding, but it's what in terms it's artificial uh, selection, where you have yeah. natural selection, which is the environment determines what traits are useful, mm-hmm. and then the people with the the organisms with those traits live on to reproduce. Yeah, the other ones might, might die off. Yeah, or in terms of sexual selection, this one is preferred by the mate, so then they reproduce, and that it creates the self perpetuating. Okay. So the taller ones are more suited to the environment. So they survive to reproduce. So mm-hmm. they have taller offspring. And then they produce and the taller ones survive. And they produce even taller offspring. Which is how you might go from a horse to a giraffe. Yeah. Because they have, the environment is selecting for horses with longer neck length. Yeah, one of the things, that, well
0: I, I wrote it down actually, one of the things I'd love to go into with you at some point, not obviously now, is um evolution and that sort of thing. We can get mm-hmm. um, make evolution a lot more simple, yeah, things like that. like that. That'd be great. But um yeah, so continue, sorry. With, so uh, in GMO terms
1: of GMO, what we're doing mm-hmm. is we're taking, say, okay, I want these genes and I want it to do this. Instead of going from individuals and breeding for generations on generations on generations, we're taking the egg cell or the embryo, whatever you want to say. And I are saying, okay, let's pop the DNA out, change it a little bit to what we want, pop it back in, and let that grow. Mm-hmm. So instead of the generations of selective breeding, we just say, okay, let's do it in one. Yeah. Yes, that involves doing it in a lab, but what, what's the deal? You're doing exactly the same thing, just cutting out the middleman.
0: Yeah, you're saving time, essentially. Yeah. It's it just... Is and money
1: things. and resources of rearing these generations of cows or pigs or well, plants one, or something like one that. One
0: example that I, I believe um, has actually happened that a lot of people don't realise is oranges. Um, and I think it was if you tasted a natural orange a couple hundred years ago, it, it would taste nothing like an orange. It mm. tastes essentially tastes like crap. But what's happened is because the more or- when you have real sweet and tangy oranges obviously when humans started agriculture and cultivating oranges without understanding about selective breeding or anything like that they would have a tree that makes really sweet oranges and have a tree that makes really not sweet oranges or bitter oranges for example when you eat the bitter oranges you don't like them so you just get rid of all those oranges and when you have all the sweet tangy ones you go oh man these sweet ones are great let's plant more of these uh, orange trees and then over that little area more and more oranges are sweet and then that eventually happens obviously it's not unanimously worldwide completely but you know Over time, hundreds of years of agriculture, if not thousands, eventually all the oranges in the world are the ones that taste sweet because mm-hmm. no, if humans are in a lot of control of that, no humans want to eat horrendously bitter oranges. They want to eat the sweet ones. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's how
1: we've kind of done it in one way, and oranges are one of the ones yeah. I'm aware of. Um, so it's cutting out the middleman, choosing the genes we want within the same species. Yeah. There is instances of we use it in between species. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example... Carrots are a good source of vitamin A. They produce a lot of vitamin A, which we require in our diets. Mm-hmm. There was a time over in Asia, I believe it was India, there was a very, very high infant mortality rate mm-hmm. due to vitamin A de- deficiency. Okay. So they produced a plant mm-hmm. by taking what, what's what's readily available across the vast majority of Asia, rice. I was thinking rice, but I didn't want to say it, because I, I was going to be wrong. Okay. And they say, okay, rice is amazingly abundant, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have any vitamin A. Right. So let's say, take the gene that produces a protein that is a vitamin A, because this links back to the gene switching on and off thing about a gene, it, your DNA, all it does is code for a protein. Yeah. So you take the code that equals this protein and you put it in the rice. Yes. That rice now, produce, as well as doing everything it did before, completely normally, unchanged, it now also produces vitamin A.
0: This one little, essentially, real simplified way of looking at it, guys, is just this one little on off switch, which was off in the rice and on in something else. It, you it's kind of pop it in there, flick it on. In it a sense. wasn't
1: off, it wasn't there.
0: It wasn't there at all. No. Okay. So you add this additional thing, so, so it doesn't it, change it, anything else. Like you a just... piece
1: of string yep. from end to end that's yep. the DNA of the rice. Yep. You. Cut it in the middle. Yep. Open it out. Pop the so you've got white string for the rice. Mm-hmm. And you've got the orange string for the for the uh carrot. Mm-hmm. You cut the bit out of the carrot's orange string yep. that equals the vitamin A. Yep. And you tie it onto the ends that you've just cut mm-hmm. of the rice and snip it in. Yep. So you have a slightly longer piece of string with an orange bit in the middle yep. for the vitamin A. And the, the still the the
0: white parts which are the rice, they're still intact. They're yeah. still the same. What you've
1: done is snip it in the middle. Yep. Pop the vitamin A in. Yep. So it back all together again. And there you go. And you're done. That's a real good way of describing it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And that then... It's so like, okay, well, now in Asia, it spread rapidly. Um, it was produced by, I believe, it's, it's funny, it's called IRI, the International Rice Research Institute, which is an actual thing. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, And it was called, I believe, Miracle Rice, or IR8. Okay. Uh, That... Because of how well it was adopted, it comes with uh, a load of things in terms of it's a monoculture. Uh, it's single species. Everything's very similar. So you end up with problems with the potential of pests and diseases wiping out the entire population. Oh, okay. I see Which is you know. like the, the the reason why banana flavored things now mm. do not taste like bananas mm-hmm. is because the bananas we eat are a different subspecies than the one that. We extracted the formula for the flavouring out of. Yeah, I'm aware of that as a type of banana that got extinct in the 30s. Loads of monocultures, disease hit wiped out the entire cell species. So those bananas are now actually extinct.
0: Yeah, so just to clarify for everyone, every when people taste things that is like banana flavoured, like milkshake is a good one, they don't taste like bananas because they did taste like bananas, but those bananas don't really exist on Earth anymore. They they don't they, they, they're extinct. Yeah, they got like, they got what they got wiped out because obviously, yeah, when you have, as you say, a monoculture one way of I describe it a kind of easy way of thinking about it is um or for me personally, is when you have two parents of a child, for example, If they're both really, really susceptible to the flu, and then they have a kid that's susceptible to the flu, flu comes in, wipes all three of them out. That's not helpful
1: with survival (laughs) or evolution anyway, shape or form. And that's where more GMO comes in, mm because you can say, okay, well, this plant is resistant to that disease or resistant to that pest or resistant to drought Mm -hmm. or resistant to heavy, like, waterlogged soil. Yes. And you say, okay, this means you take those genes, you pop it in, and it can now deal with those conditions. Mm Mm-hmm. And you do that to improve it and improve it until you get a, a, like the, the super plant that can do all that stuff. When they do that, though, just clarify: when
0: they uh, when they did that, or when they do do sort of a GMO, it's not like we'll do it, make one, plant it in a garden somewhere, leave it to stew, and it will take over the world. It's like they do no. they do do extensive testing on it, don't
1: they? So yeah, uh, there's the, there is one. There is no substantial evidence Mm -hmm. for a lot of things in terms of GMOs to say, oh, people have just come out and say, oh, well, GMOs increase your risk of cancer. It's like, Mm -hmm. and where is your evidence to support that? (laughs) Where exactly have you found this evidence? Yes. Why a a GMO tomato and my granddad got cancer? In terms of the (laughs) environmental impacts, you do have... There are legitimate, serious concerns. Like, especially with plants that, for example, are wind pollinators. Mm -hmm. If they have this species of rice, have these genes, and the pollen goes over and pollinates a different kind of rice, Mm -hmm. and they crossbreed, and then produce a new variety of rice with these inherent benefits that the GM rice has, Mm -hmm. you might get a wild strain of the plant that is... A, a super plant and can start running rampant and, and taking over because it doesn't have the natural controls on it anymore. Yes, I see. Yeah. So that that is a legit legitimate concern, and you can put controls in place for that. Especially that's very easy to do in terms of like animals and livestock. It's a bit more difficult with plants, mm. that especially wind pollinators. Yeah. But in, in essence, like people think, oh, you're putting all these bits and bobs into these plants, but you're you're not. You're taking one specific thing mm-hmm. that you need mm-hmm. and putting that one specific thing. In the thing that already exists, yeah. Like you're not like making some Frank plant. <laughs> of plants and animals and stuff. Like yeah. it's not like that. Buddy, girl, and the dog in Full Metal Alchemist. Oh God, <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> to bring that up, <laughs> like um, but like that—that that is the essence of what you're doing. Um, and that has also proved to be. I mean, another thing to say: like a plant produces fruits. Fruit is there to help spread the seeds. Bananas, yes, they're a herb, but they're also the fruit of the plant. Mm-hmm. Grapes are fruit. How do you think we get seedless bananas and seedless grapes? Because you take out the genetics that produce the seeds.
0: I always wonder about that with um,
1: seedless grapes. Huh.
0: So, yeah, yeah obviously...
1: you can have seedless grapes, but you can't grow more grapes from them because there's no seeds. Hmm. So you need to be like actively doing these things to produce the the seeds that grow seedless grapes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see. That
1: makes sense. Or uh, bananas, or etc. etc. Yeah, that will make sense. Uh, but GM stuff has, in the same way, been very useful medically. Yeah. Because, for example, before we had the means to, we if someone's diabetic now, the insulin they inject is. Oh, i say they're type 1 diabetic. The insulin they inject is human insulin. Mm -hmm. Before, we had no means of getting human insulin unless it was out of a person, which they wouldn't do because, obviously, we're important because we're people. Um, So they would use porcine insulin, pig insulin, because of their anatomical similarity. Yeah, I'm sure you've probably also heard, I'm pretty sure, there's successful cases. They had to go through the same drug treatments and everything that other people do that have human components but I'm sure there have been cases of some people surviving a organ transplant of a pig heart
0: that I, I'm pretty damn certain that's happened
1: yeah.
0: I'm, I, I'm 99% sure mm. that I've heard of at least one case of that happening like
1: that's that's how similar similar anatomically pigs are to us yeah, yeah. and insulin might be ever so slightly different mm. but it will you can have pig insulin and it will function pretty much the same way in a human mm. Of course, there's every chance of potential allergic reactions and all that sort of thing, because it is a foreign... It's just much safer safer for it to be human insulin. Um, And what we do is say, okay, well, this is the gene in humans that produces the protein insulin. Mm -hmm. So we take the gene, we snip it out, and we put it in some bacteria. Mm -hmm. And the, the way bacteria have their DNA is different to people... They have circular DNA rather than the strands. Right. And they also have, like, they have their main DNA. And they have little mini ringlets that are around dotted over the place called plasmids. Okay. So you put the DNA for insulin into the plasmid. Hmm. That bacteria now, as well as doing all the other things that it does, much like the plants, that you're saying, okay, the rice did everything it normally did hmm. and produces vitamin A. Right. The bacteria does everything it normally did. I think it's E. coli they use, actually. Hmm. Um, and it also now produces human insulin as a by-product of just existing.
0: I see, yep,
1: okay. So then you have these amounts of bacteria, cultures, and you're just producing human insulin that you can siphon off and package up and use for humans with diabetes because they don't produce insulin. That's brilliant. We're getting getting close to the hour mark now, and
0: very close to it, in fact, so we'll start to wrap up a little bit. Um, So if you want to say, I was going to say one little thing to do with GMOs as well, is that people just like to attack things I don't fully understand mm. a lot. bandwagons. Exactly, which is what yeah. this whole theme of this podcast has been. And here's one of my uh, my little uh, fleeting thoughts, uh, essentially, um, which is like, you know, with uh, the discussion of stem cell burgers, but burgers being grown in a lab, lab-grown meat, all that sort of jazz. Oh, yeah, I actually but, had a conversation about this so it's not today. That's really a interesting. Vegan, nonetheless. Oh, wow, of course. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to delve deep into that, because that's a whole nother yeah, kettle yeah, of fish. But... Uh, with people getting a bit worried about that sort of thing, um, and also with GMOs. Okay, here's here's an example of you, you need to look into things first. Okay, when before humans got freezers, um, we used to go get ice from places that were frozen, you know, and they used to bring
1: that back as ice. Before we had freezers, people didn't do weekly shops; they bought on like a daily or whatever other daily basis. Mm. They just didn't store food in the home. Precisely. But when they wanted
0: ice or anything like that, um, and they got bags of ice from whatever that sort of thing. It was, quote unquote, natural ice. When freezers were first a thing, there were people actually lobbying and trying to convince others that f- ice frozen in a freezer was unnatural. It's it's the same exact thing. It's it it done does the exact same way. So, so,
1: solid water, or there's naturally solid water, or water that you've made solid in a box. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so. Okay. People, so, don't, we just want to say, don't don't
0: jump on bandwagons. Don't just assume things are right. I mean, even with this podcast, for example, don't necessarily listen to everything we've said without researching yeah. it. If you want, go delve deep, you know, we understand that not everyone has got time to every bit of information you hear. People go to work, they've got a lot of stuff to think about, you know, and anyone listening to this, I really appreciate it. And I'm not saying you should then spend three hours researching into everything that Josh says, yeah. because I trust Josh. But if you do, that's a good thing. It
1: shows that you don't believe everything you hear to put it in a sentence to be good scientifically means to have a healthy level of skepticism not to say like oh i'm skeptical about that no way so like yeah. i say okay look at this objectively mm-hmm. evidence you can't really see facial expressions but it's like a hmm ponder ponder like don't not judge but look at things and say okay critically evaluate what you're looking at. Yeah, precisely. Does it have substantial evidence, things like that?
0: And do that with, with everything and everyone. Don't think you mm. know everything, but don't think that they know nothing. Just, It's all about balance. That's, that's yeah. all it comes down to, you know, Um, with with everything. Conspiracy theories are the same thing, you know. Don't believe everything that everyone tells you all the time, but don't equally think everything is being told to you as a lie. You know, yeah. whether it's GMOs or in yeah, Some people
1: might come up with outrageous claims and you say, okay okay and then think let's go look this up and do some research let's find the evidence and then for see it. where this evidence is coming from because it's a reputable source you know and that sort of thing
0: precisely yeah i totally agree um right i think that about wraps it up um thank you once again for coming on josh for another good. episode i feel um, these are more me talking than you <laughs> Well, the thing is, it's my podcast, oh, yeah. so I'm people listen to me talk. If they way listen, too much. Well, exactly, what? yeah. <laughs> if they listen to all the podcasts, they hear my voice far too much, and I talk about way too many things I don't know about. So I really appreciate you coming on, and I'm sure the next episode, we've got a few notes written down, will be very enthralling. So thanks again, Josh. Yes, thank you. And that's the end of another episode. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, guys. As I said at the start, there are two more episodes of Science But Simple on the Genuine Chit Chat podcast, um, episode 6 and episode 12. Um, so, yeah, be sure to check those out. I think I'll probably put links in the uh, descriptions to make sure you can check that out. Uh, check out last week's episode, which was, as I said at the start, with my buddy Wayne about paleontology, so that's a great one as well. Um, and then for the future, um, I've actually got, I've got a few that I'm recording in this week I'm recording three which I'm hoping will be two ish hour long ones. Um I'll be recording more science but simple ones of Josh, but I try and release them sort of intermittently so we're just not just seeming like a purely scientific podcast. Um there's yeah, I've got I think there's going to be one which can be about men versus women in a sense, um, which I'm going to be talking with a woman about this sort of thing. Um, Some of the almost misconceptions that men have about women and vice versa, that sort of thing. So that could be a really interesting conversation. Uh, Another conversation with a friend of mine who's from Poland. um, So that might be really cool. Um, As I said, I haven't recorded these yet. I'm actually recording these intros on Friday. um, And I normally release the episodes on Sunday. And I think I'm recording... um, the other two episodes are actually on saturday and sunday so uh, and then i've got um, another friend of mine uh, next week for wednesday that i've planned i've got a recording with him uh, he's a super smart guy as well i don't know what we'll be chatting about so it's it's a few it's quite a bit of variety you know there's a couple of people i'm going to talk about about care work um There's a friend of mine who does theatrical production. Uh, Alex Hart, who's been on the uh, movie or to the movie podcasts that I've done. Um, We'll be talking about the sort of things he's been getting up to in Wales because he's like a super outdoorsy sort of person. Um, So the the next month or two, I've got quite a few things lined up, uh, all of which I hope will be really interesting for you guys. Um, As I I always say, you know, I really appreciate anyone listening to this and giving it a go and sharing it, rating it, anything like that. Um, You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Um, you can email us at outlook at outlook.com all the links are in the description find us on youtube stitcher uh, podbean really any of those sorts of things um, any feedback is welcomed positive or negative negative. and yeah i hope you all guys all have a great week have a great day and i suppose i'll talk to you next week